you got a Bible, open them to the book of Genesis, chapter 31. And um, it is God will see you through. Maybe even if you don't want him to. (laughs) Which I don't know anybody that would be that stupid, but... The Bible does talk about those who refuse to receive instruction. He who receives, refuses instruction is stupid, it says in the Proverbs. So I don't want to be accused of that. But, uh, but we're seeing this Jacob. He has had enough, and um, his life has been um, um, uh, quite the adventure. Um, he has experienced pain and, uh, and heartache. Some of it was self-inflicted, and like many of you, and like myself, we've uh, we've done things obviously in our lives that uh, that have come back to bite us in the hiney, and uh, and uh, he's no different, and and most of the people of God are no different. That's what's so beautiful about reading through the Bible is you you see people who uh, are like you and like me, and. Uh, I'm encouraged by that and um, knowing that uh, uh, God truly uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And, um, and the Lord tells Jacob to go. And so he, uh, so he goes and uh, he consults with his wives, we saw, uh, like a wise husband would do. Um, and then... Uh, what every man would love to hear their wife say to him, they say, They're, whatever God has told you to do, do it. Whatever God has told you to do, do it. And so we're, we pick up the story in verse 17 here, and, um, and, and we'll read through verse 21. It says, Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, And then he carried away all of his livestock and all his possessions, which he had gained and acquired his acquired livestock, which he had not. uh, He had gained in Padam Aram and to go to his father, Isaac, in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. And so he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the river and and headed, excuse me, towards the mountains of Gilead, or Gilead, however you want to say that. And so he had purposed in his heart to go. God had told him to go. Uh, and uh, and so he he made up his mind. I'm leaving. That's it. I'm done here. And you've been there, right? You ever been there in a in a job or a, a certain place? Uh, I remember I was there in school. <laughs> That's it. I'm done, right? And so my my mother had to do something pretty drastic, and and uh, she sent me away. And 
and I had to go to a different school. She wasn't going to let me off the hook. But uh, there's just certain times in your life where you come to a place where you're just done. And, um, And you have to get past that. And God will see you through that if you're uh, willing uh, to yield and willing to hear uh, what the Spirit would say. And so, so he mounts his whole family up on camels. Now, we know that he's been doing pretty good, right? These, the camels were kind of the Mercedes of the day. And if you had some camels, you were doing just fine. And so he put his wives and his sons on camels, put the whole family on, on, on camels as a, as a true picture of his prosperity, how God had, had saw him through to this point and had taken care of him, even though his, his father-in-law was, was uh, uh, conniving and, and, and using him and, um, and using uh, God's blessing on Jacob's life to, to uh, bless his, his own self. And so, but he does something. He leaves without telling him, right? He leaves without telling him. Now, even in, 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 in our day, it, it's, it's just not right. It's not right to, to treat somebody that way, even if they're your enemy. Um, you should let them know. And because other, there's other people um, involved. And um, of course, his wives have already told him to go and whatever God's told him to do, to do. God did tell him to leave. But I don't know that God told him to leave like that. Um, to leave the way he left, I would say, is at best disrespectful and at worst cowardly, right? At best disrespectful and at worst cowardly. 1986, I had a job and I was uh, working for some guys down in, in uh, Utah, late in Utah. I was riding some colts down there and, and uh, I had gotten word that my older brother had tested HIV positive. And, uh, and so uh, I, my, all my responsibilities were fulfilled. I had started all the cults that I was supposed to start, but I just took off and left. I didn't tell the guy that I was uh, riding for that I was going to leave. I just left. And holy cow, his brother, who had actually sent me down there, he hunted, that was the days before cell phones. So it took him a while to hunt me down. But he gave me a severe tongue lashing. And he said, Scotty, you don't treat people that way. Right? I was 23 years old. I was stupid. I did what I was supposed to do. You know, I, they paid me and we were good. And no, you weren't. You don't treat people like that. You don't just disappear without talking to them. And, um, and so uh, I learned a, a pretty, pretty uh, important lesson that, uh, yeah, sometimes those conversations are not easy to have, but, but be respectful. Don't be a coward. You know, the Bible talks about being a coward. And uh, uh, God doesn't look kindly on cowards. And so um, I might look at that here in a second. But but, um, instead of facing Laban um, honestly and trusting the Lord to keep his promises and work things out, Jacob fled with his family like a criminal escaping justice. And... um, this was an act of fear and unbelief, not an act of faith, right? This is, that's obvious. That, that old saying that when you act in fear, faith is absent. When you act in faith, fear is absent. And um, 
and it wasn't the, the case here. He was, he was fearful. And um, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16 says, whoever believes will not act hastily, will not act hastily, that you can, you can process things. And when you're walking in faith, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not so quick on the draw. You're not so quick to speak, if you will. The Bible says to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. That is really a life marked by faith when you can, uh, when you can move slowly like that. And, uh, and yet, no, he, he had made his mind up uh, that he was, uh, he, was, he, was, he was out of there. He didn't want to face this guy anymore. Um, It wasn't enough, one commentator says, to know and do the will of God, we, but we must also do his will in a way he wants it done, the way that will bring him the most glory, right? Donald Gray Barnhouse, some of you know who Donald Gray Barnhouse is. He talks like this when he preaches. He said he could have announced his departure and gone in the glory of an army with banners, but fear made it impossible to reap the full measure of blessing. He sneaked away into the will of God instead of departing in triumph. He starts out on a 300-mile journey. Now, you think about that. He's got, he's got a lot of livestock. And, um, and so it says there in verse 21, and he fled with all that he had. Listen, he arose and crossed the river and headed towards the mountains of Gilead. So he has to cross the Euphrates River first. I was wondering how he did this. And I looked up a study on it and uh, some surmise that he maybe had a ferry to get, but he possibly had up to 2,000 sheep and goats, uh, let alone his camels. And, um, but most, most believe, historians believe that he, he swam them across the Euphrates. And the Euphrates isn't little. And so that would have been, maybe he would have had death loss. That would have been a kind of a tough act to get everything across the river. And, um, and, and I don't know about with sheep, but I know cattle. You can go 30 miles in a day, but that's a really long day. And in the spring of the year, when they're sinking to their hawks and mud, you can cut that down by at least a third, maybe half. And so the travel wasn't going to be really easy. And, um, and so he, uh, in verse 19, is, is interesting when it says there, and Rachel had stolen the household idols, which were her father's. She stole these little um, gods. How would you like to have a god that could be stolen? That's not a very big god, is it? It's, uh, it, it? The word there for gods is a word called teraphim, these little trinkets that obviously they had, they had uh, trusted in. We don't know why she stole them for sure. Uh, commentators surmise on what what, um, what, why she would have taken them. Perhaps she worshiped these idols and did not want to be without them. Um, but like I say, that's a pretty weak God that can be uh, stolen. Or, or perhaps, perhaps she did not want her father to inquire of them. 
to use them as tools of, of divination to catch them, uh, as he may have previously done, as in, as in Genesis uh, chapter 30, verse 27. Now, any god that could be stolen probably couldn't interrupt uh, somebody's life very easily. And so um, another thought is that perhaps it was because such idols were often used as, as deeds to property. And she thought that by taking the idols, she took whatever inheritance they might, that might be left um, to Laban's children. I don't know. But I know this. I know that we probably should be pretty careful in what we worship. Right? The psalmist writes about people like this that have these little idols or these little trinkets and they bow down to them. And then he points out, eyes they have, but they do not see. Mouths they have, but they do not speak. Hands they have, but they can't do anything with them. Feet they have, but they can't go anywhere. And those who worship them become like them. When you worship these things, you become a dumb like a dumb piece of wood, right? That's what you become like. And so, no telling why. Uh, actually, um, some think that she stole him just to get back at her dad, right? For the way he had treated uh, Jacob and, and her and her whole family, her and Leah and the kids and the um, one last thought was, was uh, some, some Jewish rabbis taught that Rachel took the teraphim because she wanted to keep her father Laban from idolatry. Yeah, right. I don't think so. But you think about a God that can be stolen. There's really no God at all, right? All that is, the, Paul talks about Behind these idols is a spiritual force or demonic force that you're actually, it's an invitation to demonic influence in your life. These things that people would call today, you know, um, uh, trinkets or uh, the lucky rabbit's foot, right? That they hang around their neck. Not so lucky for the rabbit, but, uh, you know, or crystals or thing that you put, St. Christopher medals, you know, I mean, uh, it's amazing that, or the cross, has the cross become a, a good luck charm? To some it has. Well, I, I wear the cross. Oh, I keep the Bible on my nightstand. Like the Bible's going to ward off evil spirits. Um, it doesn't do much good unless it gets from the nightstand into your heart, right? And so that's, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the, the idea here. And so Jesus talks about uh, what we serve when he, when he talks about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, right? You can't serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's ESV. Well, which one of them can be stolen? right? Why would you worship something that could be stolen? It does not matter what this world throws our way, you guys. When the Lord is in our heart and he possesses us by his Holy Spirit, 
nothing, not even death, nothing can take that away. Nothing. You can't lose your salvation. Now people say, ah, oh, Pastor Scotty, I got a bone to pick with you. Notice I said you can't lose it, right? It's kind of like you can't lose love. You can leave it. Remember what, what Jesus said to the church of Ephesus? You have left your first love. I'm convinced that people have left salvation. They left it in the dust, right? They wanted some fire insurance. They had an emotional experience. And then they just go live their life and not give the Lord a second thought. I, I, let me just say this. You're on thin ice. Let's put it that way. If that's the way you're living your life. And so... What you worship, how you worship, is very important. So they crossed the river. They, he got, Lord, I don't know how he got they, across, but he gets across this river in verse 22, and it says, And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. And then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban, the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, be careful that you, what you, that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban uh, with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my, and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing, it is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because now you have surely gone because you, you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my God's? So Laban hears about it. They've been shearing sheep for three days. That takes seven days to catch up. And uh, he overtakes him, it says. And I can imagine on that track what was going through Laban's mind as he was tracking down this um, no good son-in-law of his, right? The scenarios. Going over and over in his head, what was he gonna? What was he gonna do to him? What was he gonna say to him? No doubt, right? No doubt, he had some uh, murderous thoughts in his heart towards Jacob. I'm gonna kill that scum bum and just take my daughters and sons back. And um, but right then, right? But God. That is a cool study, those two words. You ought to check it out. But God, right? 
But when God shows up and God is involved and God is involved in your life and intervenes in your life, like my old friend said, you know, we're totally indestructible till God's done with us. God is, is with that word in front of it is powerful, right? I just looked at a couple verses with it uh, this, this, uh, this week, uh, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. In what? In that while we were yet sinners, God died for us, but God, amen? Uh, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit, amen? You read God's word. You need, you need uh, the truth of God's word in your heart. Realize that by his spirit, you can read it, but it doesn't make any sense unless God teaches you by his Holy Spirit, right? Because it's spiritually discerned, it tells us. But God has called us to peace. Why can't these guys be peaceful? If they could just, if they could have just come together and talked about it, right? If Jacob wouldn't have been so quick on the draw and, and leaving, why don't we just get face to face, right? Might have to ask for forgiveness and go on. Isn't that how we do life? Right? First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives us a formula, right? If you've got an issue, if you've got an issue with somebody, go to them. Why these two wouldn't just come together and, hey, let's talk this out. Laban, you've been cutting my cinch for 20 years, dude. I saw a couple little boys do it this week. It was so cool. Just bless my heart. There was an offense. The two little boys come together. The one little boy asked for uh, the other little boy for forgiveness. And the other little boy said, you're forgiven." I'm just like, this is not rocket science, right? It's so simple. And yet our pride keeps us from it. We're just going to try to one-up each other. No, just come together. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. We need to do it with him and we need to do it with each other. You're forgived. <laughs> I'm just like, bingo. You're my hero. I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> so simple. Why is it so hard? It's because we're so wicked. That's why. We've got such a wicked heart, it's hard to get past that. And yet when you do, there is a freedom awaiting those who will put themselves aside and truly, honestly, as Paul said, to esteem others more highly than ourselves. When God is present, nothing, nothing can overcome his will. Nothing. except for our own unwillingness to do what he's called us to do. Now, no matter what is happening here with Jacob, God is making sure that his will is going to be done. And his, 
his plans will not be annulled by anybody, by Laban, by Satan, by anybody. God, once he puts something in motion, it's going to happen. No matter what. No matter what. And then he asked him, right? But why did you steal my gods? Now, Laban is such a conniver. He's trying to be uh, all syruping nice. I would have sent you away with, your, with a party. Liar, right? You liar. You wouldn't have sent him away with a party. Right? You were, you were conniving all the time he was with you. If he truly had an affection for his daughters and their children, he would have been showing it all along. You didn't even let me say goodbye. You didn't let me hug and kiss them. I don't know about you, but I got some grandbabies. And my grandbaby, I smother my grandbabies, right? And uh, I smother some of your babies. They just, they're just, something about them just kills me. I mean, I just, I just, I just want to be like them, Right? They got such beautiful faith, right? They're not, uh, they're not tainted and, and marred by the wickedness and the, time, the amount of time of sin that you and I have experienced. There's just this, this innocence and, and this affection, this, this um, uh, expression of love should be a consistent thing, shouldn't it? I mean, Laban was only concerned about himself, about his own pocket and his own herds. You know, it really, it really chaps my hide when someone has blown it with their families, with their kids, and then they try to make themselves look good in hindsight. No. If you blew it with your family, with your kids, right? God can redeem that, but don't put on a show like your father or mother of the year, right? Just own it. I know I got to own my stuff with my kids because it wasn't all roses, Oh, preacher Scotty was not that glorious to live with, to say the least, right? And, um, and so, so don't put on a show, right? Just be honest. I messed up with my kids. I hurt them. I maybe damaged them for life, right? Because they had me as their dad. Now, one thing about having kids, I know, and uh, you would be wise, if, especially if you're young, you have younger kids. One thing about having kids, when I was a young man, I was scared to death, right? Having kids drove me to Jesus, because I knew if, 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 if I was all these kids had, they were in big trouble. Lord, you got to do something. But here he's trying to put his best foot forward saying a what a great what, what a great dad he is not and grandpa he is what are your what do your grandkids say about you right what do your grandkids say about you they think you're all that i remember i used to think my grandma was all that and i remember my mom she squashed that she, my mom told me this is not the woman that raised me that you know Right? <laughs> Why is that? Isn't that, isn't that, it's just kind of weird. So I learned really quick, listen, there's nothing, no such thing as perfect parents, right? There's just no such thing. 
Uh, we do the best we can. When we got God's word, we do a whole lot better, just saying. And um, verse 29, he says, um, he says, it is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. But God intervened. Laban, no doubt, probably wanted to take him out. Just take him out. Everything he had, Laban thought was his. The girls, the kids, the flock, it's all mine. And he goes, I, I do want to hurt you. Right? I do want to hurt you, but, but God. But the God of your fathers, God intervened. God is going to get Jacob to where he wants him to be. In spite of, of everything, of the will of Jacob, and the, of the will of others. And I understand that you wanted to go home to your dad. You wanted to go home to your dad. But why did you steal my gods? At this point, Jacob has had it. Right? You, have, you got that threshold, you know. I'm not an overly confrontational person. I don't like confrontation for the most part. Um. And usually when it, when it gets to the point of me being uh, confrontational, it's, it's borderline violence is not very far away. Um, because I know me, but I, I, I want to I do what God wants. I, I want to be peaceful. But there, there's a certain point that, okay, it's time to throw down. Right? Game on. Put your dukes up. Let's step outside. And so Jacob is at that point. This nice, um, obedient, right? He was obedient to Laban for all that time. But now it's time, uh, I've had it. I've had it with you, you stinking rotten scoundrel, right? You no good pot liquor. That's hick for conniver, right? Then Jacob answered, verse 31, and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let them live. Obviously, he didn't know about this. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the, the household idols and put them in saddle sat on them and Laban searched all about the tent but did not find them and she said to her father let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you for the manner of woman is with me and he searched and did not find them did not find the household idols praise God right um, so she used her womanly curse to deceive her father, right? And um, praise the Lord, he allowed that to happen. Now, what, that, does that mean it was right? No, no, it wasn't right, but God allowed it to happen. And uh, 
and he put basically put Laban in his place. And so no doubt this infuriated Jacob all the more. And um, at first he says, I was afraid. The reason I did all this is because fear, right? I wasn't walking by faith. I was afraid thinking that if you wanted to take my wife and kids and kick me out, I'd, have, I'd be helpless. You guys outnumber me, you and your boys. And so Jacob tells him, kill whoever has your gods. If he would have only known. Do you sometimes look back at your life and you realize, man, God was so gracious. Right? God was, God's mercy is amazing. Why, why he didn't let me die then? I mean, I look back at a lot of things why God didn't let me die. I was, uh, I was kind of a, I was a wild youth, uh, always on the verge of death, uh, going 9-0, throwing caution to the wind, and um, throwing intelligence to the wind also, just doing crazy, stupid things. And I look back and I think, why did he not let me perish? And the only answer is, is, is that God's good, God's merciful, God's gracious, and God has a plan. God's good, God's merciful, God's gracious, and God has a plan. If you're here today and you're drawing breath, God's good, God's merciful, God's gracious, God has a plan for your life, right? And so it is with this guy. And, uh, he, he didn't use wisdom. He's mad at this point. So words are flowing off of his tongue. You notice that when you get mad, you, you just can't shut that stinking trap. And you ought to, right? You ought to shut your trap because it will get you in trouble. This could have cost Rachel her life. Whoever has your gods, kill him. Now, what's interesting to me, what's interesting to me here is that Laban has just had an encounter with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and is still concerned about these gods that were stolen. It's just like, are you going to get a clue? You realize the God of heaven just spoke to you, but you're worried about your trinkets. We get so twisted up in, in our thinking and, and sanity. It's like sanity has gone out the window in our society. It's like truly this right here is the only thing that makes sense in the society that we live in today. Um, why? Because it's truth. Right? And the world don't want truth. They want what they feel. And they want to be called certain pronouns. And, and if you don't do that, they're all up in arms. They, they want us all to be tolerant with what they're doing in this world and, and uh, what, what they're, how they're perverting our children. 
but they don't want us to have the freedom to talk about truth and to talk about Jesus and to talk about repentance and to talk about the wages of sin, which is death. They don't want to hear any of that, but they want us to be tolerant of all their stuff. We should be infuriated by those things. So he didn't find his gods. So that gives Jacob a little bit of leverage. And here comes his anger. This has probably been pent up for quite some time. Verse 36, then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren that they may judge between us both. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. They're young and I have not eaten the rams of your flock, that which was torn by beast, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen or by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day, the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. You have changed my wages 10 times unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. He says, I haven't done anything, but I've been obedient to what you called me to do. I worked hard, right? I served you. you, you I took care of your use. They didn't, God, because of me, that they, they didn't miscarry and I absorbed all the loss. I replaced whatever you lost out of your herds with the, those in my herd. I put back in your herd. Drought and frost. I worked hard. The Bible commends hard work, right? We live in a society where it's not really, uh, not really that popular to work hard. I love what it says in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. All hard work brings a profit, right? Those who work hard, it tells us in another place, their sleep is sweet. Amen? There is nothing like good hard work, right? There's, there's something about it that just, it... Um, Makes you feel good, right? Your sleep is good. But I think the most important thing in Jacob's speech here was that the way he gave honor to the Lord. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. What's really fascinating about this is Jacob recognizes God. I know a lot of people like this. They recognize God, right? Uh, they kind of recognize him from a distance, right? They call him the, the man upstairs or um, 
you know, uh, uh, the good Lord that's just distant, don't, that they don't really know him. But he recognizes that God was with him and that God protected him. You know, I know a lot of people like they look back at their lives and why they didn't die, they don't know that maybe somebody's, somebody's much bigger than me has got a, got a hand in this. But they don't know God. Jacob actually recognizes the God of Abraham, the God, or it says, the the, uh, God of the fear of Isaac, right? He recognized them as Isaac's God and Abraham's God, but he is yet to call him his God. My God took care of me. My God watched over me. Because he's not totally his God yet. Right? He, he's got he's to take him deeper. Uh, people can have experiences with God and, and recognize the blessings of God, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily right with God. Take the disciples, for example. In Luke chapter 22, we see Peter. Uh, the Lord said to him, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That word returned means converted. Once you're converted, Peter wasn't converted yet. He walked with Jesus for three years. Some of you have seen God doing things in your life for years, but you've never been converted. You've never come to that place where you you. Totally throw your hands in the air and totally surrender. Peter recognized Jesus, right? In fact, he was one of them that possibly said, who is this? What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He recognized him. But Jesus wasn't his God yet. He wasn't all in yet. He was still going to deny him three times, right? And after that, when Jesus kind of reels him back in, Peter, do you love me? He says, hey, they're going to they're gonna stretch you out. They're going to stretch you out like they stretched me out, Peter. And they're going to kill you. But then you're not going to be afraid. Why? Because he was converted. Peter had had a change inside of him. He was a different man than the one that Jesus is talking to here in Luke Chapter 22, are you different than when you first heard about Jesus? Are you all in? Are you ready to be crucified upside down? That was pretty brassy of old Peter, wasn't it? Oh, hey, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord on the cross. You better put me upside down. That's a converted person. That's somebody that just doesn't know about God and has experienced the blessing of God, but that's somebody who is in communion with God. Jacob is not quite there yet, but he's going to get there. Verse 43, I'm going to finish up here real quick. And 
Laban answered and said to Jacob, these daughters are my daughters and these children are my children and this flock is my flock and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or their children whom they have born? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. And Laban called it Yagar Sahadutha. And, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name shall be called Galid, also Mitzpah. He, uh, because, he said, may the Lord watch between you and me. And when we are absent from one another, if you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar, which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on a mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban rose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. And then Laban departed and returned to his place. He said, all right, let's make a covenant, right? Now this is so skewed because today they have the mitzvah the mitzvah pendant, right? That's cut in half. And, oh, I'm going to send this one to my love. And then I'm going to have the other one. And when we're apart, we'll be thinking of our love. There is no love here, right? This is all suspicion, this, this, this covenant, right? Um, this is, uh, it's, it's, Notice, he says that you won't come to me and I won't come to you for what? For harm. In other words, we're not, we're going to agree not to hurt each other, right? I, I don't know if there's no love loss here. So they're not agreeing to love each other. And um, Henry Morris talks about Laban like this. He said, uh, rather than seeking to follow the truth of God's plan as witnessed by Jacob, he merely resented and coveted the blessing of God on Jacob. He finally ended up with neither. His life consti uh, constitutes a sober warning to a great host of semi-religious or but funda fundamentally self-worshipping and self-seeking men and women today. That's so true. But it is interesting in verse 55 that Laban realizes, oh, wow, this could be it. This could be the last time I'm going to see Rachel and Leah and these kids, all my grandchildren. What would you do? It's your last time. Think about that when you kiss your son or your daughter goodbye or your grandbabies goodbye. What if it's the last time? Are they going to know the love of God from you? 
I was sleeping with my little boy, my little grandson, the other night. He's 17 months old. He, 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 he's talking pretty good. He says, Papa. But he also says, I have you. And I'm just holding him and I'm praying for him, right? If God forbid Jesus tarries till he's 18, oh Lord, you got to get a hold of this kid, right? Because he's going to be good looking and charismatic and he can sing and he already thinks he's all that, right? But to hear grandma and grandpa pray is pretty powerful. Do your grandkids hear you pray? Do your kids hear you pray? I look back and I, one of the highlights of me and my wife's life as parents is our kids caught us praying. Right? But he, he realizes, oh no, this may be it. And he hugs them and he shows them affection that he should have been showing them for the last mid, so many years that he was with them. Not until now. Sometimes people wait till it's too late. Don't wait till it's too late. Do it now. Speak truth now. Love now. Ask for forgiveness now. And you'll be forgiven. I do know this. God is going to visit every one of us along the way, and he's going to give us opportunity with our families, with our, our co-workers, with our enemies, with the, the folks in the, in the fellowship maybe that we've gotten sideways with. And we have a tendency to pull back. God don't want you to pull back. He wants you to press in to these things that we're talking about, love and forgiveness, the character of Christ Jesus. When I talked earlier about being a coward, it talks about that in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, about the reward of a coward. And um, I, I, so I looked up the definition of a coward, and it says, a person who lacks the courage to do or endure dangerous or unpleasant things. It's unpleasant sometimes to get face-to-face -face and work things out. It is unpleasant. But oh, how fruitful it can be. To not be willing to do it at all is a coward. And a coward will find his place in the lake of fire, which is called the second death. Please don't be a coward. Don't, don't pull back, right? In, in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about those, those who would pull, pull back. It says, yet for a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, the Lord says. Don't pull back. In these days in which you have an opportunity to, to proclaim the gospel, to get right uh, with family members and, and people in your life, press into it. Don't pull back. And then he says in verse 38, or 39, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 10, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. 
right? You're operating in faith. If Jacob would have went to Laban in faith, they could have foregone all this. There would have been no mitzpah. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, anyone setting his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Is not fit. I'm going to close with a quote from Warren Wiersbe. I love this guy. He's a great Bible teacher. Says this, life isn't easy, but if we submit to God, God's disciplines, and let him guide us in our decisions, we can endure the difficulties triumphantly and develop the kind of character that glorifies God. We can conquer by claiming promises like 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, sometimes it's getting face to face. After you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Listen, the God of Jacob never fails. He doesn't fail. We just have to put ourselves in a place where we're walking by faith every minute of every day. Because it's so true, like Paul said, I have to put the old man to death every day, every single day. Walking by faith, not by fear. There's a lot of things in the world today that have people afraid right? But when you walk by faith, overcoming those things is like my old cowboy friend said, it ain't no step for a stepper, right? It ain't no step for a stepper. Those who are walking by faith are on their way to glory. We just have to stay the course. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this course that you've laid out for all of us, Lord, that the just shall live by faith that you're going to see us through, Lord, just as you directed this man, Jacob. You directed his life in spite of all the crazy things that were going on around him, in spite the will of others, even his enemies. Lord, you brought him through and you'll see us through. So help us to be faithful, faithful with what you put in front of us, Lord. Some of us, it's not much. But Lord, even with the little, you tell us if we're faithful with the little, we'll be entrusted with more. So Lord, help us to do that with our lives, with our, with our families, Lord, with our spouses, with our children, with our grandchildren. Lord, to just be faithful to our God and in proclaiming him in their lives and in our own, Lord, that we would strengthen ourselves as, as King David did in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and we'll worship. If you need prayer prayer right over here to the right.